going on FCS football fans welcome to the FCS opening drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan I am David Hassagan to my left the czar of the playbook Emery Hunt Emery good morning good morning sir we may be a day late but definitely not a dollar short in fact we're making about 10 cents of interest so you know what we're going to come out with a dollar 10 it's a beautiful day up here in the northeast folks hopefully it's not raining by you even though even though it's been raining for like the last two weeks up here but it is SoCon week here on Football Game Plans, FCS Opening Drive Podcast. So we got a lot to talk about. We'll be talking about the, the, the strangeness of the offenses in the SOCON. We'll talk about how historic this conference is. We've got all of our big games, of course. We'll go team by team, and Emory will give us a short little preview. And, of course, our hot takes. I think we'll probably have a few of those for uh, for the SOCON. It was, it was an interesting one last year. But again, folks, we've been going conference by conference. I don't know where you've been if you haven't found us by now, but if you haven't, and for whatever reason you're listening to the first time, welcome. And if you want to listen to all the other previews going all the way back to the Big Sky Conference, you can go to iTunes or SoundCloud, search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. Don't forget to you- go to youtube.com slash footballgameplan for all of Emory's content. He'll be coming out all week with information on the SoCon. He's been doing it week after week. I don't know how he does it. I think he's a machine. But we'll figure that out as we go along. And don't forget, you can go to footballgameplan.com Emery's got everything from the pros all the way down to NAIA. He doesn't miss anything. So don't forget to go there and follow us on Twitter at the FCS Opening Drive at FCS uh, at FBall Game Plan for my man Emery on Twitter. Let's get into the SoCon, Emery. And it was a pretty entertaining year in the SoCon last year. It really year. was. Three teams making it to the postseason out of the SoCon. Uh, Wofford, Samford, and Furman. Um... Wofford taking the whole thing just barely with a 7-1 record in conference. They made it to the quarterfinals where they got beaten by North Dakota State. Uh, Sanford made it, got knocked down in the first round by Kennesaw Furman by Wofford in the second round. So we had a little SoCon action in the playoffs. Uh, Western Carolina kind of choked it at the end there. They looked like they were going to make it in as a ranked team. And then Mercer a little bit down, Citadel a little bit down, Chattanooga still not back, but Overall, very entertaining in the SoCon last season. Absolutely, and we talked about it last year. Western Carolina was on the cusp of being that fourth team and probably had a legitimate argument, but the way they finished the season, they lost that last game, kind of knocked them out. But like you said, three teams got in, and everyone else was pretty much in the mix from Western Carolina to Mercer, uh, the Citadel, always in the mix. Um, So this is a good conference. You talk about balance. You talk about parity. You see it from top to bottom. You, you know, there's two teams. Obviously, East Tennessee State is back onto the scene, but this was a team that was competitive last year, finished 4-7. and seven. Yep. Um, VMI, obviously, winless, but VMI is one of those teams that, you, you know, it's kind of like the, the theme for the SoCon is that you're not going to really blow VMI out. They're going to be in the game. Uh, right. So, at some point, they may win one or, or pull one out, but last year, obviously, it was just a, a, a cascade of problems, and they just didn't win a game. But that is usually a, a solid team that can go at least four and seven and flirt with a you know a, a winning record. They, they were five and six a couple of years ago. So top to bottom, one of the better conferences in the FCS. And you talk about uh, the quality top to bottom. Two of the top three defenses last year were Chattanooga and East Tennessee State, and they both finished under five hundred, which leads to the question how. But <laughs> you look at this, you look at you know you had the. Chattanooga was the number one total defense. East Tennessee was number three in total defense. You had Furman was number one total offense. They got in, knocked out in the second round. 
Furman, uh, Western Carolina was number two in offense, didn't make it. The only team that was top three in both categories was Wofford, and that really shows how they got to that number six rating, got the bye, uh, and made it all the way to the quarterfinals against the Bison. Yeah, they were real good last year, man. They're always a good team. We'll see how that changes this year now that Mike Ayers has retired. But you talk about Chattanooga. I think Chattanooga last year, despite the rash of injuries they had, they lost yes. two, stop, two top quarterbacks. Uh, they were down to their third-string quarterback. But defensively, they were excellent. Um, now they get those offensive guys back healthy. They still got to find some sort of a running game. But overall, this team should fly back up the, the rankings this year. And uh, Mercer is always kind of sitting there right there in the middle. Mercer's smack dab in the middle all the time. And you don't know whether they're going to hit that plateau or whether they're going to keep going up. Which speaks to the job, the great job that Bobby Lamb is doing down there with the Mercer Bears, having that program. Uh, you know, that was still a fairly new program. They started out in the Pioneer League and right. moved over to the SOCON. So they're still getting their, they're still getting up to speed to scholarship football. But, you know, he has them on the right track. And, again, Western Carolina did a great job last year, uh, finally got over the hump and, and produced a winning season. And, you know, they were exciting the first half of the season. Yeah. And, you know, they returned a really great quarterback in Tyree Adams. Um, so I, I believe that this team is in the mix as well. And, we, we talked about San, uh, Sanford and Furman. Um, Furman, you know, ran rough shot of Elon twice. Yeah. Sanford is yeah. is always a good team. Uh, so this this is a fun conference, man. And you talked about Tyree Adams coming back. You also have Devlin Hodges coming back for his senior season. Threw for almost 4,000 yards and 31 touchdowns last year. Austin Henrik, uh, Hedrick or, uh, is coming back for East Tennessee State. He had a very underrated year. For a team that had some, again, had some injuries, had had some problems down there, he played very, very well. Um, and the Sanford wide receiver combo of McKnight and Schelling uh, also coming back. So McKnight that's is be, special. McKnight is going to be. The, you think that's a draft pick next season? I think early so. On? I think he's a he's a pro player. I, there's a lot of pro players, I believe, this year in the SoCon more so than last year. But I thought the SoCon last year had a lot of good talent. Yeah. Um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So when you got good quarterback play, you got to obviously believe that Hodges is going to get an opportunity. McKnight's going to get an opportunity. Um, you know, you look at Mercer has a really good wide receiver that can get an opportunity. So there's going to be some guys here that have a chance uh, to, to really make their mark on the next level. And the defensive strength continues. you got a guy like Marvin Tillman coming back for Western yeah. Carolina who was outstanding. Five picks and also led his team in tackles. So you know you're doing something right at the DB position doing that. Yeah, my um, Gooden is another one from Sanford that's a really good defensive player. Yeah, exactly. So, let, I mean, let's get into that, though. You talk about the pro talent coming out of this conference. There was one draft pick last year, Keon uh, Crossan, the cornerback from West Carolina, going to the Patriots in the seventh round. But let's talk about him, and let's talk about some of the other guys in this conference that, that weren't drafted, that are in pro camps right now, just to highlight that point of how much talent this conference does have and what do you think you know they'll be able to do at the next level. And we'll, Let's start with uh, Crossan to start with. He was the one who was drafted in the seventh round, 243 overall. Corner, raw talent, really good athleticism. What do you think he's going to bring to the Pats? He's going to bring uh, good versatility, and, and there was a reason why they they targeted him and and made the the selection. You know, this is a guy that's very versatile, good athlete, um, and they need help on the back end. So I think he's going to do a good job. Exactly, and and you talk and again, he's kind of a an, a raw talent. You can see where he could, you know, under somebody like a Belichick. Again, this is the kind of guys that the Patriots go after. That you know, they don't pop off on film but they see what the potential they have especially um in terms of athleticism you see it all the time with you know how they pick wide receivers how they pick up dbs and so if they 
draft you, if they see the, the reason to draft you, there's a reason for it. So New England, at least for now, as much as it pains me as a Jets fan, they're still ahead of the ball game a little bit. But uh, we'll, we'll see what he does. We hope, in, hope for him the best. Let's talk about some of the non-drafted free agents, though. And Tay Davis, the linebacker out of Chattanooga, you've had a chance to see him firsthand covering the New York Giants um, around here as their training camp has gotten underway. What do you see out of Tay Davis? He's in a good situation because they're going to a 3-4 defense. He's playing inside backer. Mm-hmm. And I had an interview. I have an interview up with him uh, from training camp that you can check on YouTube.com slash football game plan. I uh, spoke about how Chattanooga playing in the SOCON helped prepped him for this opportunity. And the reason being is because of how much you get, you know, a variety of offenses. You yeah. get both ends of the spectrum. You get the option game with the teams that run the option. Then you get Sanford that spread you out and throw it all day. So right. he's well equipped to, to handle the NFL game, and he's going to be one that's going to make some make it a tough decision for these front office people of the New York Giants because he's going to go out there and perform. And when you have guys that, and people look at his his size and say, okay, that could be a hindrance. He's about two twenty five. What do we say on the show? Size is not a skill. Thank you. Because at the end of the day, what he does as a linebacker has nothing to do with him being two twenty five. So. At the end of the day, he's reading his keys. He's covering backs. He's being active versus the run. He's he's a guy that can really get from point A to point B in a hurry. So he's in a good spot with the Giants, and um, excited to see him continue to progress during this preseason. You think he's better as a, as more of a coverage linebacker or a guy that's going to be going downhill after the running back? Well, that's the part that we're waiting to see because they just got in pads. I want to say two days ago, mm-hmm. um, and now they're off today, which is why we're able to do the podcast there today. We go. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they pick back up tomorrow. Uh, so we'll see as, as it goes on. Plus, when you, when you get into the real games, they open up their preseason August 9th against the Browns. We'll see how he does in live action right. uh, against a team that's going to try to run the football. That's a good test for the Giants' new defense and um, and those players at the, front, in the, at the front seven level as far as how they will be versus the run. Let's talk about another linebacker out of this conference that is in camp, and that's uh, Shahid Salman who, from Samford in camp with the Bucks, and I, I remember looking at so many Sanford box scores last year and his name popping up again mm-hmm. and again and again. What makes this kid so special that he got that invite to Tampa Bay? Well, he's always around the ball, number one. And when you look at that Bucks linebacking core, Quan Alexander, uh, Kendall Beckwith, also have uh, Levante David, that's probably the best. I know you have Carolina right there, but yeah. you look at you Tampa's know, right there. Tampa is legitimately right there. So the Bucks have a type at linebacker, an uh, instinctive, fast, explosive upon contact type of a player, and that aptly describes Shahid Salmon. And again, playing against his offense every day helped prep him for being able to do great things in coverage. Playing in the SOCON helped prep him for being able to find how to be successful versus the run, and you have to be successful versus the run, especially in the NFC South. So right. I think that was a reason why. Uh, and, and, and again, when you look at being an undrafted free agent is like college football. Once again, you get to pick your opportunity. So he saw a chance to, to really contribute with the Bucks. He saw that linebacking core and say, you know what, this still this still is a very good opportunity for me. So he chose to to go to Tampa Bay and he's going to do some some good things this year in the preseason. Hopefully, one other guy we want to get to is uh, Detrez Newsom, uh, the running back from Western Carolina, is in with the L.A. Chargers. Obviously, a good situation there uh, in L.A. But Newsom kind of popped off off the page out of nowhere last season for West Carolina. And now, obviously, the Chargers have seen enough to say, yeah, we want to see this kid in camp. We want to see some more. Well, because he could do a lot of things from a special teams perspective. He, he's mm-hmm. a good kickoff returner. He could be a great punt returner. 
He's good on third downs. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's He has long speed. I remember um, a coaching friend of mine told me uh, after they played Western Carolina, he was like, man, that may have been the fastest back on the field we've played against all year. And keep in mind, they played an FBS opponent, right. you know, a, a Power 5 FBS right. opponent. And he spoke highly of the Trez Newsom. And I thought he was going to be a draft pick, but – the Chargers got themselves a guy that can really come in and serve a multitude of roles, and he just has to wait his turn out there in San Diego. As we've seen over the course of the last week and a half, everybody's getting hurt out there with, with the Chargers. And I know yeah, I just slipped up and said San Diego, but Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Uh, everybody's getting hurt. So if he just waits his turn, he's going to get an opportunity to play. Just don't make sure you get don't get caught in the crossfire, my friend. Right. Just stay, keep your head down. Um, so, I mean, obviously we'll keep an eye on all these players, and there are uh, dozens of others that have gotten call-ins from the SOCON, and we've seen it over the years. And it really goes back to what this league is historically. And you look back at the SOCON, you're really talking about the original SEC when you look at the SOCON historically. And let's talk about that for a second. I mean, you look at the former teams in this conference, Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Auburn, Mississippi State. Then you got all your power ACC schools, North Carolina, Clemson, Virginia, Georgia Tech. It, th- this conference for a long, long time, going back to the 1920s, has been a powerhouse. And even though it's FCS now level now, you're still seeing that kind of talent coming in and out year after year. Well, the SoCon was originally the SEC, right? Right. So it broke off and became the SEC. And then it kind of spawned the ACC. Right. So this conference has birthed two major Power Five conferences because of the schools. And even from the SOCON level, some historic programs in here, Washington and Lee, and guys that are in the same area, Washington and Lee, Virginia Tech, uh, George Washington when they had a football team, Tulane. Richmond, Tulane, um, you know, Davidson, who's now in uh, the Pioneer League, but you had App State at one point, Georgia Southern, Marshall. Uh, so there was some really good football in this league. Sewanee back before they uh, joined the SEC as well. Yeah. Um, so, yes, this conference it was phenomenal. And, you know, you, you kind of see get that same sense when you're watching them play now as an FCS conference, uh, even with some of the good rivalries from uh, Wofford, you know, Citadel, uh, VMI's military, and all the, the pageantry that goes on with VMI's yep. program. Yep. Um, and we talked about Sanford, how good they've been consistently – uh, Chattanooga is another one. Western Carolina on the scene, and now you get East Tennessee State back in the fold. So yep. this conference overall uh, is huge, and and I just think from a historic standpoint, makes it one of the more uh, unique conferences in the FCS uh, top easily. I would say the SoCon and Southland, being what it is, you know, will probably be the more intriguing because of the the history. You know, exactly. like I said, you you have uh, you could easily push together Southland and Sunbelt because all them teams from Louisiana Tech you had some teams coming out uh, Raging Sunbelt, Cajun Georgia, exactly. Su- Georgia Southern App State are coming out of this conference even Marshall was part of this conference for a little bit yeah. of time so no I'm talking about the, the Southland conference when, oh, Southland too. Yeah, when, yeah. when um, you have like those Louisiana schools that right. were all part yeah, of yeah. the same conference you know uh, again one of the biggest rivalries in, 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 in the South uh, that's been kind of dormant since they moved up has been my raging Cajuns and McNeese State. Yeah. You know, that whole Louisiana, the, the Southland to me is just like the SoCon, is just like the MEAC and SWAC as far as uh, 
and Ivy League, obviously, as far as like intriguing, historic, uh, deep tradition rich football. But I do believe the SoCon is one that probably gets slept on, on on a national scale from a historic standpoint. But again, like what I said earlier, it has birth both the SEC and the ACC. And and again, in part, the Sun Belt. You talk App State, you're talking about Georgia Southern, um, even programs like East Carolina who have moved up now. They're into the uh, into the Conference USA. West Virginia, another one yeah. that was part of this conference originally. For so a while. It's, it's, a, it's, a very, it's one of these things where you look back at the history of a conference, you're like, wow. William and Mary, you know. It's like, yeah, you're talking about all these programs and you're like, Duke. Was part of this was in here, uh, South Carolina, Vandy, LSU. It's just like, wow, this was <laughs> this was the conference to beat for a long, long time. I mean, it made sense. It was called the Southern Conference, and yeah, I mean, it pretty much covers the entire dog. Everybody, yeah, yeah. right. So it was it was really the Super Conference before we had Super Conferences. <laughs> right. So when do you, when do you think about it? And what's interesting about the SoCon, and you mentioned you touched on this real quick before when you were talking about. Uh, your interview with Tay Davis, is how diverse this league is. Because, again, we talk about leagues and we talk about what the general trend is in a, in a conference. You know, if you're talking about um, the Southland, like we will be next week on our podcast here, you're talking about high-flying offense. You're talking about, you know, deep ball, all this sort of thing. You talk about, um, you get into, like, the Patriot League, and you talk about, you know, more of a defensive conference. You're known for defense here, the SoCon, you really can't put into any one box because you have a team. You have teams like Samford and West Carolina, who throw the ball a lot. But then you have teams like the Citadel, VMI, Wofford, who are running the option. Which I mean, it's rare to see one team in a conference running the option. Never mind three or four. So you talk about this conference. One, is, especially, let's talk about the option play. This is a, a forgotten offense. I mean, I'm used to it seeing it at Springfield College, where my alma mater, but. The option is, has been so far lost, especially at big D1 programs. How come it's thriving here in the, in the SOCON? Well, because they have the athletes to make it happen. And um, one thing that's detrimental to any defense is option football. Yeah. And when you have athletes that are Division One caliber running the option, you're going to be very tough to beat. Plus, it's all about complementary football. Good offense yields a good defense because you're you – know, especially a ball control offense because you're keeping that defense fresh. And so now you combine – uh, athletes that that's running the option, you combine that with um, your defense being able to stop the run first because they see it all day at practice. Exactly, and so they'll be good run defense wise. So it kind of can make the opponent one dimensional. So they have good offenses, really strong defenses versus the run, and everything else is all about you know taking chances on on, on game day, like let the chips fall where they may. So if you can run the football and stop the run, you're going to be good. And I think that's the basis of all these. His uh, Sanford is unique because they can throw the football. That's on the opposite end. Uh, right. But the, as you get close to the middle, you have teams that can do a little bit of both, like Western Carolina, um, Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Yeah. You know, though Furman, but now Furman is tilted a little bit more back toward uh, running the ball, running the option. So, yeah. uh, Mercer is kind of like that in between, that that new age spread option, but yeah. really can throw the ball. Um, I think that's why you see teams in this conference so competitive and why they give teams outside the conference a lot of problems. And and you said it too with, with the option it's all about having the athletes. It's you really do need to have a unique complement of players because you need offensive linemen that can not only block but get off the ball and have some speed right. downfield. You need to have a quarterback with the mentality of 
I'm going to get absolutely blasted 20 to 30 times a game, and I'm okay with that, which most quarterbacks are saying, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to get They don't hit. want that help, physical help, discussion help. on a Saturday, right? <laughs> but and then you also have to have players in the backfield who are so focused on that role and that they can commit to whatever they're doing, whether it's a pitch, whether it's a handoff, whatever it happens to be. So you really have a unique group of players that you need on the offensive side of the ball to make it work. You need wide receivers who can block. Yeah. You, most of the time you're talking, okay, we need a good blocking tight end, and most every, every school needs that. You need blocking wideouts if you're running <laughs> the option, which is, again – you don't. You're not going to see a whole bunch of guys that are, you know, six foot four, one sixty five in this conference. They're going to be. They're going to have some size and some strength to them. Um, and also, when it comes to these games, we, you've said it before last year when we were going through week by week. Styles make fights. And so when you have a game where you have a team like a Samford that goes all out, you know, air raid offense, taking on a team that runs the option like a Wofford, the Wofford's going to try to kill the clock on you. You can put up the 40 points a game if you want to, but if you only get the ball five or six times because Wofford's holding on to the ball, it, it really turns things on. So even if you're a high-powered offense that doesn't run the ball, you still have to be good at defensively to even get the ball back in this conference. It really makes – I mean, you could see games that are like an hour and a half. Yeah. I mean, SoCon. especially when they, when they combine to play each other like Wofford and the Citadel, uh, those games probably take 30 minutes, you know. So, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a great brand. Um and it's a reason why they got three teams in the playoffs. Right. Because uh, these teams not only can play well, but they travel well. They do well on the road, uh, which is huge in college football because you you're taking a limited amount of your guys with you. Um, yeah. I know in uh, I know the travel – I want to say travel team, if I can remember correctly, 63 you're taking on the trip. Yeah. I don't I don't think that changed for the FCS. So that's why I'm, I'm having an issue as far as remembering. But I know at, <laughs> at the FBS level it's 63. He's running low on sleep here, folks. <laughs> But um, but you you know if you're able to win on the road with shorthanded, that speaks volumes to, to the type of team you are, coaching wise and also player wise. So I, I'm not surprised at the success these these teams have had. It's going to get better. I mean, again, I say this every episode, but looking at the high school talent they have coming in, mm-hmm. especially these teams that run the option along the offensive line, uh, my goodness, you talk about guys that can really VMI has a tackle at six seven three hundred pounds coming in that can really fly off the ball. And you combine his athleticism with that option attack, ridiculous. Just like yeah. Wofford, another guy that's coming in. Al Hogan is his name. Uh, offensive tackle, about 6'4", 290, flying off the ball, strong at the point of attack. I mean, again, Division One athletes, option football, it's right. a match made in heaven. And, and again, with some of these schools, you talk about your arm, your military schools usually run the option. Your right. armies, your navies. Air Force kind of runs a, a weird kind spread of... Spread option. Let's call it a spread yeah, option. It, 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 like a flex bone. It's the Air Force. They're weird anyway. Anyway, <laughs> But, I mean, you have the Citadel and VMI, but the fact that you have two teams, you know, a couple teams outside of the military schools running this, that has to get passed down. You know, you don't have, you know, you don't have a coach that just comes in out of nowhere and says, hey, we're going to switch to the option. Right. You need to have that, you know, you have to have that ingrained into you as to this is how our school plays the game. This is how our school will always play the game until we find until that, you know, that run gets broken. And um, you see a team like Wofford under Coach Ayers, and we'll talk about him after the break, did that for 30 years. But he's passed it on to his successor. So it's going to continue. And that option is always going to be there. Um, and you're right. It's D1 talent playing a game of football that is old school. Yep. But it's effective. It's, it's like, very effective. Like a former SOCOM member down the road in Georgia Tech doing the same thing with Paul Johnson, who also was the head coach at 
Georgia Southern when they were in the SoCon doing great things. Georgia Tech used to do it. West Virginia used to be an option team when Bobby Bowden was just starting out there. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's ingrained in this conference's DNA, and it's something that is being lost, and it shouldn't be lost because it it is a – it is a piece of history that is being shown real time, mm-hmm. which you don't often see in, in the age of let's throw the ball 60 yards and hope someone can catch it who's six foot five. Right. So we'll see how it goes from there. Folks, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the two coaching changes in the SOCON that came uh, through at the end of the last year. We will talk about the big games on the schedule. We'll give a team-by-team preview uh, from Emory and who he thinks is going to be uh, hot on the roster this year. I... I, I I've seen his all-star team, folks. I'm not going to give it away, but there is one team that seems to be popping up quite a bit. They for, always uh, pop up. It, it, it's, it's interesting. It, it's very, very interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get him to reveal. He, he's very tough with that sort of thing. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about that. And, of course, we will have our hot takes for the SoCon for 2018. We'll be right back on the FCS Opening Drive podcast. Stick around. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 1964. Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit Go. OCSB.com. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. Don't forget, folks, again, you can listen to us on demand on iTunes and SoundCloud. So search Football Game Plan in the podcast section and give us a five-star rating while you're there. We always like your support. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at the FCS Kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and at FBall Game Plan for my man Emery. And he is opinionated, so you'll enjoy him on Twitter, that's for sure. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that. That's And you can get into his mentions. I will say this, though, he will respond. Yeah, you, I will. You don't, you don't want to uh, get on Emery's bad side uh, on Twitter, <laughs> especially when you don't go to games. Uh, don't forget, folks, also you can go to footballgameplan.com for all of your football information. Emery, let's get right into it. We had a couple coaching changes in the SOCON after last season. Um, and let's start with the legend that is Mike Ayers um, stepping down, retiring um, as the head of Wofford's football program after 30 years as head coach. Josh Conklin is taking over. Uh, the Wofford Terriers. Mike Gears, another stellar career for a coach at the FCS level. Yeah, I thought he was going to outlast uh, our, our our good pal at what, uh, William & Mary and um, Jimmy Laycock. I thought he was going to yeah. outlast Laycock, but... That ain't happened. Ayers <laughs> uh, is one of the legends in college football, one of the legends in the FCS, and really elevated this program from the NAIA level to the Division II level Mm -hmm. to a very strong FCS contender and program. So he did his job. 
and well earned his retirement. Um, leaves as one of the, the you know one of the all time greats, uh, the winning winningest coach in program history, obviously. And you know he's gonna he he has left a legacy that we probably won't see again. You won't see coaches coaching at the same place no. 30 plus years. They're, so one by one, they're kind of fading away. These, yeah. you know, 25, 30 year coaching careers. And, you know, in, in a way it's sad in a way it's the modern game catching up, but 207, 139 to one was his record during yeah. his 30 years at Wofford. Josh Conklin takes over. I believe he was in charge of the defense last year for Wofford. So he moves in. It's his first head coaching job. Uh, he still has Wade Lang going into his 31st season as offensive coordinator. So, <laughs> The option is going to be just fine. Um, and Sam Siefkis, uh taking over the defense his first season in charge there. We also had another retirement uh, last season at East Tennessee State. Carl Torbush, uh, he is retired. Interesting hire they brought in, though. Randy Sanders, the uh, former offensive coordinator at Florida State for 2013-2017. to 2017. It's his first head coaching job. What do you think of the East Tennessee State Buccaneers? What about this hire? I love it. Uh, offense coming in. Yes. And, again, Torbush was a, a legend himself. Uh, that was a shocking retirement because he helped bring the program back, mm-hmm. you know, to, uh, into the fold. And uh, But Sanders is coming in, first head coaching job, you know, and so he's getting an opportunity to run the show. And he learned a lot coaching at Florida State, watching how offenses were supposed to be run. You know, obviously he was the offensive coordinator. Um, and also looking at how defense is supposed was supposed to operate, so he's getting over, getting to a program that's still fairly new, and he has a chance to really shape it in the way he wants it to be. I think this is not going to be one of those uh, quick uh, you know quick turnaround. Oh, like let me make them win, and then mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to a bigger job. I think this is one of those jobs where he has a wealth of talent in in that part of the state and that yep. part of the region. And can really keep this thing competitive for a long time. I think he's here to stay. And again, he coached Jameis Winston when he was the Heisman Trophy winner right. over there. What I love too is that he's a local guy he's from Morristown, Tennessee, which is out in that area. Mm-hmm. He was the quarterback at the University of Tennessee, who I believe East Tennessee State. I think they play Tennessee. Yes, week two at Tennessee. So he'll be going back home. Uh, but he stayed there quite a while as quarterbacks coach, wide receiver coach, running backs coach. He hit every pretty much every part of the offense at Tennessee. Then he went to Kentucky, went to Florida State, now he's back home in his home state. So I think that's a great hire for them. Yeah, they're going to get that nice check from Tennessee. Oh, they're going to get a very – and there might be a little extra bonus, Man, too. For, you know, that's, just, that's just part of the deal. Compensation know. for yeah. having to wear that <laughs> hideous creamsicle orange. I Are mean, you crazy? They have the best <laughs> – They have the best end zone design of they any team. They have the team. best uniform. The, the, that ah. is a clean look. So you, you were a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in Absolutely the day then? Absolutely, I was. All right. Emery's a fan of the creamsicle. Here we go. Uh, but whatever it is. It's a unique and it's a crisp look, especially when it's a bright, sunny day. It's certainly unique. It blinds your opponent, and then they can fly by you. And even in a, in a rainy day, that Tennessee uniform used to look great. Uh, uh, I, uh, mm, whatever. <laughs> you talk about 30-year coaches. Shout out to, uh, shout out to uh, Marvin Lewis. I think he may... He, he, what, approaching year 15? Some Him and Belichick, are, like, they push it neck and neck. Yeah, no. <laughs> He's going to be the Bengals uh, until football, until NF, the NFL is no longer existing. Lewis will still be the head coach of the Bengals. They will preserve him. Yeah. <laughs> He'll just be cryogenically frozen with a clipboard and a headset on. <laughs> He's not leaving that job. So uh, Let's get into the schedule, Emery. Let, let's talk about some of the big games here. And not as many out-of-conference tests. 
uh, in the SoCon because it is a bigger conference and they do like to have every team play each other. Um, but some interesting games based on last year's results and what's happened since then um, on the schedule. And let's start, though, with um, another conference game for the Citadel as they take on Towson this year. Now, again, the Citadel had kind of a down year last year, 5-6. and six. That's not really what they're used to. They're usually around that 6-7 or seven win mark. This is an interesting game against Towson. It's a big game, too, because it could be a playoff game, you know, because you have two usually good teams, really good defense. Both teams can run the ball. Uh, Towson has a pretty tough schedule. The Citadel, this is one of those out-of-conference games that people will circle, Yeah. i.e., we will circle this game probably during our weekly previews as a game to watch. (laughs) Mark it down. Um, Here we go. September 20th. That's a big weekend for me. In the in the SoCon because you have the Citadel traveling to Baltimore to face Towson, Western Carolina taking on Furman, mm-hmm. and Sanford and Kennesaw State, three yep. big games on that weekend for this conference. Uh, that Kennesaw State Sanford game is going to be huge because we know Kennesaw State knocked them out the playoffs after Sanford beat them in week one. This is the third time they're playing each other in less than a calendar <laughs> exactly. year. They're going to be sick and tired of barnstorming round robin tournament right here. Just, just for we don't want to see you anymore. Just to stop <laughs> Kennesaw, stop calling us, please. Oh wait, you beat us. Never mind. Here we go. Round, oh, well, I mean, you three. could bring up Furman at Elon. Another one. This yeah. will be the third time in as many in a former SoCon opponent. Uh, uh, just, uh, <laughs> you know, Elon. But you again? Forget. Oh, okay, fine. Like, Here we it, go. Those, those are some <laughs> great games, man, and. You know, that's on September the 8th, I believe. Yeah, yeah, September 8th at Elon. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch for sure. Um, a game I've got circled here, and uh, tell me if this is if I'm crazy about this one. Wofford at Wyoming. No, I have that one down too. And, and on the 15th of September. Here's why. That's for, winnable. Well, I don't, here's why. That's it, winnable. Wyoming is going to be really good this year, man. They just lost their top quarterback. Who How was, could they not be who, good? Because he loved to give he loved to give keep both teams involved. Put it that way, right? <laughs> so you you're not a fan of Josh Allen. I'm not a fan of his interceptions, his streakiness. Now, mm-hmm. here's what I will say about Wyoming. Defensively, they may be a top fifteen defense in the nation. Um offensively they got some good pieces returning. Right. So this is gonna be a tough test for Wofford. The X factor and why this thing is different. And we had this discussion on uh, tech via text message over the weekend when we were talking about yeah. Miami, Miami of 2001 versus Nebraska of 95. Miami wins that game every time. The <laughs> X factor is the option. Yes. If you it, option football eliminates your athleticism because you have to play discipline. And again, if they hold onto the ball for most of the game. Right now on offense, you if you're Wyoming, you got to maximize your possessions. Yep. And if they get one stop, that's a huge disadvantage because you just gave them at least another eight minutes with the ball. So I agree with you. This is an intriguing game, but this is not the Wyoming team that we saw, you know, last year. Like right. this is a, even though they made a bowl last year and and beat the breaks out Central Michigan, this is a game that Wofford. Yes, they can win. But they're really going to have to play their best because Wyoming, I think, defensively will be really good this year. And offensively, we'll see. They got a good redshirt freshman quarterback coming in, um, taking over from Josh Allen. It should be a little bit more efficient and uh, a little bit more protective of the football. So this will be an entertaining game, I believe. Who won that Twitter poll, by the way? 2001 Miami. Because everybody saw the 30 for 30 episode. And people recognize talent when they see it. Here's here's the thing, because <laughs> the third, and I talked to a Nebraska player with the Giants 
yesterday, and he was like, they were supposed to do a 30 <laughs> for 30 on that 95 team, and they shelved it, which they should hurry up and do because Tom Osborne, I think it's like 80 80- Five. You kind of want him. You kind of want him to be. Hurry up, right? You know. And so, it, again, I'll just, just before we get back on track, I'll just say this about that Nebraska '95 team. People sleep on how great defensively they were. The black shirts defense. That's all from based off what they do. Offensive line and 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 people say, oh, Miami had 38 NFL draft picks. That '95 Nebraska team had 33. And the X factor in that game, because I just made a point for Wofford and Wyoming, is the fact that they run the option. And also, when you have two first-round or one first-round tailback in Lawrence Phillips, a third-round pick that's one of the best in NFL history in Amon Green, and a quarterback that can run the option like nobody could ever in Tommy Frazier, that neutralizes all that speed and athleticism on Miami's squad. They will have to play discipline, thus making it a very close game. And people forget before Nebraska, people look at Nebraska <laughs> in this lens. Like, and everybody said the same thing about Florida. Oh, Florida has, you know, the SEC speed, they're going to blow them out. Nebraska beat the brakes off Florida because Florida athletes were neutralized. And people forget Nebraska, before Nebraska was what we look at it now. This was before the North Dakota State rise. This was before the Big 12 came because it was the Big 8 at the time. Before Texas get introduced and all those all those schools, Nebraska <laughs> was the hub because it was the only team that was playing on national television. Do I have to do like around the horn and mute you right now? Well, I'm, just just, saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like people, it's too, it's, too far it's, gone. People are are sleeping <laughs> on how good that '95 Nebraska team was. All right, let's get back to the SoCon after after Emory's weekly rant. Thank you for that, Emory. We'll move on now into our next segment. Oh, um, hold up, uh, another game. Um, Kicking off the season, Wofford in the Citadel. Interesting game. Actually, I have one more game too. Who do you like when you schedule your homecoming game? Right. You usually, you know, pick, you someone pick you a can, team that you more than likely think you can beat. You can beat or a cupcake. Mostly someone you can beat though. November third, Sanford's homecoming game is against Wofford. Wow. Why are they having homecoming how, so late? How disrespected are you if you're Wofford? They're putting us as their homecoming game. Yeah, that that's the the that's the wallpaper, the whiteboard uh, motivation. That, oh my goodness! Another game that I'm looking at, man, uh, and I think it's an interesting one because both teams are looking to get off to a good start. East Tennessee State and VMI. That's a big game for both schools. Yeah. Um, East Tennessee State should have should be two and zero probably by the time they see right. VMI, and VMI really wants to get off the schneid and and really wants to, you know, make their claim to get back into the thick of this. But wait, East Tennessee is going to be two and zero. Who do they play? Mars Hill and Tennessee. Okay, they'll be one and one. There we go. They'll be one and one. <laughs> I was about to say, wait, wait a minute, you're picking. Yeah, they're not. Now that's that. a hot take. They're, they're, they're not. That would be a that would be roasted on the pavement in a dumpster no, fire. That would be a nuclear take. Um, <laughs> But VMI and East Tennessee State, that's an intriguing game because both teams want to get get that victory in, in the SoCon. So. But, yeah, you're right about the, the homecoming game. That's I, just – Why oof. are you playing that homecoming game so late? Yeah, because, like, like, Mercer and Sanford are playing each other September 15th. Wofford and Furman are playing each other October 13th. First of all, you're pushing homecoming back to November, so people are going to be bundled up even yeah. down in the south. But then you're playing – oh, let's see. Who can we beat on homecoming? Wofford, would you like to come by – Oh, if I'm Wofford, I'm sending back that invite before it even arrives in the mail. I'm just sending it right back. Yes, I'm usually in. that's SoCon versus SEC week. You know that, yeah. that one week where the SEC tends to schedule SoCon opponents. 
you know, to, to tune up before that that rivalry week. Yeah, um, Alabama is notorious for it. They've kind of pushed it back to. I think they've pushed it back to a couple of weeks to see because it's the uh, November seventeenth weekend. Chattanooga's got South Carolina. There you go. Citadel is at Alabama. Exactly. Uh, East Tennessee State. Uh, they have. I mean, they've got the Tennessee game early in the year, so they have Samford that week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Furman that week is at Mercer. That's Interesting a good ball game, game there. Um, Samford. Uh, Sanford, East Tennessee State, of course. VMI, they've got Old Dominion. Wow. Interesting game, but total disrespect. Western Carolina's got North Carolina, which gave them nightmares last season, even though I think both of us picked them to win that yeah, ball game. because North Carolina was terrible last year. And then Wofford finishes with Presbyterian. Interesting game there. But it's always a good game. You got some never sleep on the blue hose. And I would be digress if I didn't mention, too, the Army-Navy game of the South as well in this conference. Uh, VMI versus the Citadel. Uh, October the 20th this year, and I believe that game is at VMI. Um, again, the pageantry, you can't, you know, if you anyone who's been to an Army-Navy game, you know, you know what it is. It's actually the Military Classic of the South is yep. the official name. Uh, that game will be at Alumni Memorial Field in Lexington, Virginia. Lex Vegas. Beautiful. <laughs> Lex Vegas rears his ugly head for a second, <laughs> second week in a row. Uh, beautiful, beautiful campus, beautiful stadium. Uh, I've, I've seen a game down there before. Um, but again, it, it's always a special game when you have two military schools facing each other. Right. Uh, so, and you get this one in the middle of the year. So, if you want to catch this, you can go catch this one. Then you can go to Army Navy. I don't know if SUNY Maritime plays as Merchant Marine this year. They but play Hampton though. <laughs> <laughs> they got Hampton, so that that might be good enough. He got uh, Hampton. So that, that's always a you know a fun game to watch. Always a lot of uh, brevity is there in there as well. So have to mention that one. Let's go into our team by team previews now, Emory, and let's. Start off with the mocks of Chattanooga. Again, this is a program that a few, you know, less than 10 years ago, they're looking at deep runs in the playoffs. Um, they are, you know, they had a down year last year. They finished 3 and 5, 3 and 8 overall, but had the number one total defense in the conference. What can we expect from Chattanooga? They're going to be vastly improved. Again, everybody was hurt last year. Yeah, exactly. But you talked about their defense. That defense is going to still be intact. Now, they lost some good pro talent. Um, Lucas Webb is another one they lost. Uh, Tay Davis um, lost some guys in the secondary. But they are going to be good defensively. And now offensively, everybody is healthy. Keep an eye on on some of the incoming recruits, too. Um, I'm not going to give it away, but they invested heavily in a running back position. They have some good guys coming in as freshmen. Now, you don't really want to count on freshmen, but I think Chattanooga will be much better this year. I don't know. if you think if you, I think if you asked Yale and Columbia, I think they could rely on freshmen a little bit. That is true. Just a, yeah. just a thought. That is so, true. Uh, touche, touche, touche. And that's one point for me. Going on to the Citadel, the Bulldogs, uh, Brett Thompson, Brent Thompson going into his third season um, as the head coach of the Citadel. Five and six last year, three and five. But again, this is a team that's usually in play for this conference. Maybe not winning the title, but they're certainly up there for a potential at-large bid. They're up in the top three or four. Does the Citadel come back this year? It depends on how good they are defensively. I, I know they lost some key pieces in the secondary. They always seem to have talent in the secondary, especially as as of late. Uh, so we'll see. You know, I think that's the the offense is going to be the offense. They'll be solid offensively. Right. Defensively, I, I wonder how good they're going to be in the secondary. Well, they do have Aaron Spann the third had five interceptions last year. I believe he is back for his senior season. Um, so that you know, it might be a lot on him to uh, kind of hold that together, but it'll be interesting to see what they have on defense. East Tennessee State, new coach, new offense. Did the Buccaneers make a nice little comeback this year in the SoCon? 
I think they can, man. Um, I think what we saw last year from them, uh, it, it, it was a good thing. I do think that now the new coach brings new optimism and, and things of that nature. I get it. But uh, I think overall, you know, when you look at what they brought to the table last year, yeah, I think they'll be right in that mix for 500. Yeah, it looks like look, I I would expect a pro style look with Randy Sanders in charge. You know, something that, you know maybe a little bit higher paced, like we saw at Florida State. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see how he tweaks it. There's a lot of talent there. Uh, Tobors recruited really well uh, before he decided to hang him up. So we'll see what happens with East Carolina. Let's move on to the Paladins of Furman wearing that beautiful purple uniform. Clay Hendricks going into his second season. That's a clean look, isn't it? Purple and white just works. It, it works. It's a great look. Uh, they do have a new OC at Furman. Uh, George Quarles taking over uh, in his first season under Clay Hendricks in his second year as the head coach. Furman finished number 19 in the country last year with the number one offense in the SoCon. What can they do to, fin- to follow it up? Their offense is going to be good. Defensively, I think they're going to be stout. Um, I know a lot of people are, are seeing Furman as that team that could could win the SoCon. I wouldn't argue with that, uh, but I, I look at how they did last year. You know, getting off to the slow start, finishing strong. If they can start how they finished last year, the season can be special. But I like the pieces that they put together so far. And in, in, in his second season, uh, Clay Hendricks, the head coach, I think they're going to be fine one, once again. Think it's another top twenty-five finish? Absolutely. You think that's a possibility? All right, let's move on to Mercer. Um, Coach Bobby Lamb entering his sixth season. You sat down with Coach Lamb. I saw that interview um, a couple months ago. If you want to check that out on YouTube or footballgameplan.com, Mercer four and four last season, five and six overall. What can we expect out of the Bears? Again, a relatively new program. Yeah, and I think with Coach Lamb, who's a great interview, great guy, great coach, and uh, was awesome when I went down there and was able to give me a, a nice tour of the facilities. Mercer is <laughs> right there in Macon, Georgia. They have a little oasis of facilities and Mm -hmm. they get a a huge turnout for for their games and they just slowly have been building and building we talked about how they've been flirting with the between six and five five and six i think this could be the year that they have enough to where they can really make a charge for whether that be that third playoff spot or that fourth playoff spot uh but i think they will be seriously in the mix um this year for the title and we didn't talk about their out of conference schedule but they start at memphis but then they have a home game with Jacksonville, and then they're at Yale in October. Some interesting out-of-conference right. games. Because you talk about Memphis is going to be a tough one. Jacksonville's um, got the best, one of the best teams in they the They can run the football. Yeah, Jacksonville can run the football, and Yale is, is balanced as hell. So, so that if, could be decided of whether or not they make a playoff spot. They if, they, if they can knock off Yale, that's a huge feather in the cap for their out-of-conference win. Um, I think they can beat Jacksonville, obviously. Uh, Jacksonville's defense is is hopefully they're better this year, but last year they were atrocious. Um, yeah. So if they can win the Jacksonville game and and really beat Yale, that's a huge out of conference win because Yale is probably going to win the Ivy League once again. I think we just got a prediction out of him. Let's move on to another. I say probably. Whatever you said, that's good enough. That's better than what we usually get <laughs> out of you. Let's move on to another set of Bulldogs, the Samford Bulldogs. Chris Hatcher going into his fourth season in charge of Samford. Uh, they have the best returning quarterback in Devlin Hodges. They've got some great wide receivers coming back. they got some decent players on the defensive side of the ball, too. Uh, Ahmad Gooden being the head of one of those on the defensive line. Does Samford finally crack it open this year? And 
get through all these option teams to the top? You know, if they can find a running game. Last year, I, I know that's not their style. Right. You know, they average what I want to say almost 80 yards a game rushing. Right. Yeah, yeah. So the problem is when you have a lead and you get up so quickly and you can't really grind the game down and close it out, that's where you come in. That's where the problem comes mm-hmm. comes into play. They they lost Shahid Salmon. They lost uh, another big-time player at the linebacker position. I want to say Dion uh, Pierre, another talented player. So, you know, their second level is going to be a question. So we'll see defensively how good they are. If they can match what they did last year and find a running game, then, yeah, Sanford easily could be uh, the best team in this conference. And they're explosive on the offensive side. Absolutely. The they gotta, they, again, quarterback play will keep you in the game and win you some games, and they got a good one in Hodges. Moving back down to Lex Vegas, as we Lex are now of Vegas, we are officially calling it. Let, let's hope not. Uh, the key debts of VMI, of course, bottom of the barrel, winless this past year. Um, obviously, they want to come back from that. They got some tough games though. They got um, away games at Toledo and Old Dominion, two FBS opponents. They do have Tusculum on their schedule, which it's a good, strong Division Two program. So, does VMI at least get a win this season? Yeah, they get a win. I, I think when you look at the changes. Uh, they've made offensively from a staff standpoint. They got to get more production defensively. They had opportunities uh, to win games, but the, their offense couldn't get out of their own way. And this is funny because a couple years ago, when they had Al Cobb at quarterback and Aaron Sanders at receiver, yep. they were legit good. Those guys were pro talents. Um, but then they just couldn't get it going, and now they lose their linebacker Lipscomb to transferring. You know, he's one of their best players. He's gone. Mm-hmm. So there, there are some questions here. But I do believe with the the changes changes they made offensively, um, there's a there's a a benefit of the unknown of what we're going to see offensively from these guys. Uh, so I think that can help them win a game. I think they can win a game. I, coach uh, Wackenheim is a really good coach, um, and I don't, I don't think people give him enough credit to, to the job he he has and what he has done so far at VMI. I know last year to me was an anomaly. It's always, it's always difficult at the military schools cuz you know it, right. it is, you know, you see you saw that with Army quite a few years For ago while, when they right. were struggling with getting one or two wins. Uh, he does have a new offensive coordinator though, Brian Shepard coming in. So we'll see what he kind of mm-hmm. how he tweaks the uh, normal option for the key debts. Western Carolina, the Catamounts, they looked really really good last season right till the very end. Kind of collapsed in the last couple weeks, probably cost them a spot in the postseason. But uh Mark Spear, going into his seventh year, he's going to look for some retribution in this one. What do we look for from West Carolina? I like Coach Spear. I think Western Carolina, the way they can play football offensively, I think that gives them a chance. I want to know how good they're going to be defensively. Again, I just made the case for Hodges. When you have a quarterback play like they do in Tyree Adams, right. he started to really come on last year. So I think he's going to build on that and have a fantastic junior season. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be the X factor because he can do it uh, you know, as a passer. Also, he can pick up yards on the ground. They have some tremendous perimeter options. Uh, do they? How do they replace the Trez Newsom is going to be key. He's a big piece. He was right. a, you know, a valuable asset not only in the backfield but also in special teams. So they have some questions, but I like what they did last year. Winning is a is a mindset now. It's a it's ingrained in okay, we know what it takes to win. Yep. We know how we felt when we let it slip away. They had playoffs right there in their grasp. They let it slip away. I think this year they can really um use last year as motivation for this season and build on what they did in twenty seventeen. Adams was very quietly had a very, very good season really as did. a sophomore. Twenty two intercept twenty two touchdowns to eight interceptions, twenty three hundred yards through the air. 
very quietly had a very nice year. It'll be interesting to see how he develops into his junior and senior mm-hmm. seasons. And honestly, with Western Carolina, I can see them going 3-0 and to start with. They got Newberry at Gardner-Webb and then VMI. And then they go to two road, two tough road tests, though, with Furman and Sanford. So they could easily go into those games, though, 3-0. and Yeah, they're going into to that game 3-0. and You know, now they have confidence, they have the backing, and knowing they have to win these games because they saw what happened last year when you let stuff slip away. In the SOCON, by it being a nine-team conference and everyone is playing everybody, yep. you can't afford to get behind too quickly uh, in this conference. And let's go to that final team who will punish you if you do get behind, and that's the option offense of Wofford. Again, Josh Conklin taking over the reins for Mike Ayers uh, in his first season. Terriers looking to build on a, a season. They finished number six in the country, got knocked out by the Bison in the quarterfinals. Does Wofford do it again? They can. I mean, they they really can. And I know they're replacing, you know, players that, that were impactful players on their team, but they still have good talent. When you're deep and talented and you run the option, you get mm-hmm. a lot of reps. So even the guys that they lose offensively, the guys that are replacing them played a lot. Yeah. So it's not like you're getting an inexperienced team coming back. That's the part that I believe – it's the big difference. I think Wofford's going to be really good once again. People don't, people forget when you're on the option. You know, most teams when you see regular offense, you're maybe three, maybe four running backs deep. You run the option offense the way they do. You're seven, eight, nine backs deep who can get you reps and get you first downs. Exactly. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Wofford can do this year. We're at the end of the show, folks, and that means it's time for hot takes. We almost, I thought we almost had one from Emery before when he said. East Tennessee was going to start 2-0, and but then he remembered, oh, it's Tennessee. Never mind. That's not happening. <laughs> what is your hot take for this season? All right, so last year I was all on the SoCon. I felt as though I think I said four teams getting into the playoffs from the SoCon. I think I made that, that. And you almost got it. I almost got it. Almost got it. I think this year, obviously, we don't know how many teams are having the playoffs uh, <laughs> so, I think we're approaching the 50 mark. We're, we're, we're close to 50. So I'll stay away from playoff prediction, but I will say this. Uh, when you look at a team going from worst to first, I think. You're not saying VMI is winning the conference. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I think East Tennessee State will mm. be in the mix until November. And before, you know, things take mm. over. I think East Tennessee State is going to be good this year. A little sleeper, perhaps. Little. East Tennessee State, and I hate adding more teams to the hot take, but East Tennessee State is the, the, the hot take. But the obvious one that can really jump up is going to be Chattanooga. Yes, yes. No love for Mercer. Interesting. Mercer, to me, is good. I, I believe in Mercer. Okay, all right. Like You don't know where I have Mercer ranked, though. That's a so fair point. If, if we're talking hot takes, the hot take was East Tennessee State, but the obvious one that can that's going to be better than they were last year, you know, because of our, because of what the the situation was, is Chattanooga. Mercer is good. All right, all right. I'm I, not saying how many teams I, I have out the SoCon. I agree. Is going to make the playoffs. I agree. I I have a little thing when it comes to the playoffs as well with this conference, and uh, this is going to upset some people. Uh oh. I'm not going to name names, but. One of the three teams that there were three teams last year that finished in the top twenty-five in the FCS stats poll. Okay. One of those three teams is not making the postseason. Just flat out, and 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 it will not be a bubble team either. They will flat out not make it. I'm not saying who, but I will say this: Sanford runs the table. In, in, in what? 
Samford goes undefeated this year in conference play and wins the whole thing. Wow. That's my prediction. Again, in a, in a land of option offenses, and you know I love my option football, they find a way. Devlin Hodges finds a way on his way, potentially, Walter to, play, to the Walter Payton Award finalists. Okay. That's I, could, I could see him being a finalist for the Walter Payton. That's not that's not too far fetched. But if he leads into an undefeated season, I think he might win it. That is true. Uh, with their their uh, non conference, uh, let's take a look here at Sanford's non conference because that games. that could determine how hot of the take it, it can be. Well, you got shorter to start things off. They're gonna flambe <laughs> shorter. Florida State. Okay. I'm not saying again. I said in conference they go undefeated. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. But then they have Kennesaw. At Kennesaw, that's a huge game. September 29th. So that's, that's the on, that's game. the only out of conference games they have. That's the other conference. Yep. Wow. So they could really be eleven and one according. Yeah, and they're home with Mercer. They're home with Wofford. The only team they have trouble on the road with, you know, this year is Furman. Man. So they've got the home field for two of the big dogs from last year's conference. They got winnable out-of-conference schedule. I think they could take at least two. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Just two. Yeah, not, they're, they're not no, beating Florida State. <laughs> there's no might. Shout out to, to Sanford, though. <laughs> but State. if you have any complaints or want to get these things, or want to respond to <laughs> at Craig Haley is, is yes. our Twitter handle. So send all your complaints to him. <laughs> at Craig Haley. That is the official Twitter handle of the FCS Opening Drive podcast. <laughs> Forget the three that I said before. Just tweet at him. It, we're, we're blaming this all at, on him. At Craig Haley is if you, if you have any complaints about our hot takes. We have one. It's, it's, tomorrow's August. It's we, crazy, right? And there are polls coming oh, out. Oh, there are. Polls. So Craig Haley's Twitter handle will be getting flamed. <laughs> it will at minimum flamed and mostly <laughs> roasted. Exactly. We could see some we could see a roasted uh <laughs> Craig Haley <laughs> on Twitter at the end of the week, but um there the, the polls will start to come out. Tweets will start to fly, opinions will start to come out. I'm I sure I wait. Both of us will uh <laughs> Both of us will definitely be uh, looking at that. Well, here what I have to prep the SoCon fans for this. Okay, so today we're doing a podcast. Yeah. Uh, later on this afternoon, uh, you'll have the high school recruiting roundup, and probably tonight you'll have the draft picks. The reason why I'm getting three st- three things out tomorrow, I I will be in Cleveland. Um, He's through, a busy man. Yeah, through Friday covering the Pro Football Hall of Fame and also covering Browns Camp. Uh, I have a couple of coaching interviews set up with Case Western Reserve. Uh, we talk about Case Western Reserve. We talk about historic programs. Yeah. Case was one of those big dogs on the block in the early uh, 20th century. You know, playing Ohio State, Michigan, going to the to the Sun Bowl, I believe, on the uh, 1941, uh, I want to say Sun Bowl, one of those bowl games. Probably the Sun Bowl. And um, so, yeah, I, I'll be there. I'll be at Hiram College um, the next day. So, listen. I, I'm, a, I'm a busy man. Then I'll be back at Giants camp on Saturday. The Sun Bowl. They were. It was 1941. They they were. Uh, they they played in that ball game. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I'll be there. Jesus. And they played Arizona State. Huh? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> right. These are so, things you learn, folks. So I'll, I'll be I'll be in Cleveland from Wednesday to Friday, and I'll be back Saturday morning. So you may get the full fledged preview with our all conference, our preseason all conference team. It may be Saturday evening so don't hate me for it i will get three things out for you guys today so you'll have that 
So right. So when I say we're covering the the SoCon this week, it'll be we're covering the SoCon Tomorrow. Tuesday and Saturday. But you have a lot of stuff to to, to sink your teeth in uh, coming from from us here. And we mentioned Craig Haley. We'd be remiss if we said don't check to uh, make sure you check out FCS stats, uh, FCS football slash FCS uh, front. Um, some interesting headlines on here. An interesting quote from uh, Chris Climate at North Dakota State. FCS title or bust is not realistic, is what he said a couple days ago. Interesting. Oh, interesting. And Is he prepping the nation for a fall off? Interesting. We'll leave that one to you, Bison Nation. Uh, also, uh, JMU has announced that they are going to play a game at Louisville in 2022. So they're getting out away from beating Virginia Tech and Virginia every year, and they're gonna decide let's go, let's take it to Kentucky. That's actually a good matchup, man. It's an interesting matchup, and also speaking of the SoCon, a uh, quote from uh, new coach at Wofford, Mr. Conklin, saying he's he's seeking to lift Wofford even higher than what they were under Coach Ayers. So they're gonna introduce the forward pass. No, <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just saying maybe maybe. We see them uh, go a little bit further in the postseason. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you talking about. I thought you talk about maybe bit? we'll see them go to FBS. Like, no, not that. Don't go that far. Me, me. We'll we'll see what happens. And again, the the coaches picked the Terriers second behind Stanford in the preseason poll. That's a fair assessment. So, well, again, he's got. They got a little. Uh, little chip on the shoulder now. Yeah. So we'll see where it goes, folks. We're only. We've only got two more previews to go. That's it. We're we're yeah. we are almost. In season mode here. Oh, we got some good plan. stuff coming down the pike, man. Well, next next week it gets real fun. You like offense? I know you do. <laughs> it's we're talking Southland next week. Um, so we've got some oh, some obviously some crazy numbers that we're going to talk about from last year. Then we're going to move into our final preseason preview, and that is the SWAC conference. Um, always the last, but then again, when you go. SW, what do you expect? <laughs> right, it's not because we're picking you last, but uh, we're gonna have some some fun. And I know we talk about how we're kind of like getting these guys in on Tuesday. Next week we will have to do this show on Wednesday because I have or Sunday, unless you're available on Sunday. Uh, we have Giants camp on a uh, we. I have Giants camp on <laughs> we, Monday. Yeah, thanks a lot. And Tuesday, so I have Sunday and Wednesday open, and then you know Thursday I have the Giants Browns game at seven. Uh, so the man's just busy, folks. That's just all it is. But Wednesday will work. So, again, look for this podcast yeah. next next week on Wednesday for the Southland. We'll talk about Central Arkansas and where they go from here after a disappointing uh, run in the playoffs. Shout out to the Bears, though. They're going to be good. Sam, Sam Houston State. Will they finally show up? We'll talk about the other snub, McNeese. I'm still shocked that McNeese didn't get in. <laughs> we'll talk about McNeese. Does Abilene Christian have anything in the tank to get back to prominence? Shout out to Incarnate Word's new uniforms. Incarnate Word. And new field. Like, field looks dope. Incarnate Word. We got Houston Baptist. We'll be just, we'll just be sending the praise all through the Twitterverse. Everybody getting in the playoffs. <laughs> all, every team. Shout out stuff. to Nichols. I sat down with Coach Rebo over the, the spring, um, and, and he's a great dude, man. No, this was in, I want to, yeah, it was in the spring when I went down that. Well, no, spring. the winter. It, it was hot, though. Uh, I'm thinking when I went down for the senior ball, I went down there. Coach Rebo is a good dude. That program, I'm glad to see that program back on the map. It's hot in the deep south. There's your breaking news headline, folks. Uh, but again, we'll have the Southland. Then we'll, in two weeks, we'll have the SWAC. And then after that, we've got our big preview show. We will have the big board in here. You may not be able to see it, but we'll still have it in here. So you'll have to trust us on that one. But maybe we'll actually get 
Emery to <laughs> limit down his playoff number of teams to the number that it's actually going to make the playoffs. We'll have all of our predictions. I'll tell you this, though. Um, Your season of hot takes? Oh, well, yeah, I have a season of hot takes <laughs> because we'll have to get that out pretty quickly because of I have on my calendar here August 25th. I start my scouting season before I start my mm-hmm. broadcast season. So August 25th, Duquesne at UMass. Ooh. It's going to be interesting. Ooh. You love running backs, you're going to love that game because UMass has a great one, and Duquesne obviously has A.J. Hines. There you go, folks. You heard it right here. Folks, thanks so much for listening in. As always, again, you can listen to all of these podcasts on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can go into footballgameplan.com. Emery will have some great stuff coming out today and then Saturday on footballgameplan.com and on youtube.com slash footballgameplan. We'll be back next week with the Southland Conference. Thanks for listening in.